Hi, this is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, where our mission is to bring Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to our community and to our world. Our service times are 9 and 11 each Sunday morning. Find out more at www.communitycovenant.net. Well, this morning as a special, we have Dr. Keith Hamilton from Alaska Christian College. And uh, Keith, forgive me if this is something you're already going to share, but if you're not familiar with Alaska's Christian College, that's our college. That is to say, it belongs, uh, it was initiated, started uh, here in Alaska by our denomination, the Evangelical Covenant Church. And it's a college that has really made an impact, particularly in Western Alaska. But as you'll see this morning, and not just Western Alaska, but from around the world as well. And so we have, thank, thank you. Would you give it a La- Alaska, or actually a community covenant welcome, Dr. Keith Hamilton? Well, it's going to be back at Community Covenant. It's kind of an annual, after Easter, I show up on Sunday. And I don't know why Pastor Todd lets me keep coming back. I, I, I say some things sometimes that embarrass me and the church. I was in Mexico once, and I know Spanish pretty well, but I once told a congregation I was pregnant uh, by accident in Spanish. So you let me come here. It's, it's a dangerous thing. Pastor, Pastor, hey, it says, Todd isn't here. You get the T-shirt this year, all right? So here you go, Tyler. Here's your T-shirt. Take that. Here you go. Oh, here you go right there. Make sure I get it back so I can give it to you again at the next service. And then... Uh, I know that Pastor Todd and Lori aren't here, but I was here this morning to thank Lori for being a trustee. She just finished her three-year term with us on the Board of Trustees at ACC. So clap for Lori. She's not here today. I'll give it to her later. You know, just about 19 years ago, upstairs, back up there where the projection booth is, uh, there's a room up there, and that was where the birth of Alaska Christian College happened. Uh, I began as the only employee of a, well, basically the president of nothing, and had the opportunity right here in this church to start that college that today is 18 years old. About 600 students have come through our doors, 90% of those from Western Alaska, from Bush, Alaska. We have uh, had the privilege this last fall, since I was here last, 94 students came. We broke a world record for students, and then also uh, we finished a new 34-bed residence hall called Teku, and it now brings our total bed space, about 120 beds on our campus. So yeah, that's really cool. Debt-free, debt-free, and built by 600 volunteers. Two summers, 600 volunteers from Alaska and the lower 48 up here to help us. It's just an amazing story, and I can go on along with the stories, but i got to tell you just a few things. One is Community Covenant Church has sent us more staff members than any other church. It has been the most generous of any other church in Alaska. And it has sent us more board of trustee members than any other church anywhere in the world. So you folks, yeah, I think that's great. You guys have been invested, you're invested, and that investment just continues. I I just am here to say thank you, but I'm also here to remind you that um, every student that comes, and you'll hear from one in a moment, it has a scholarship need, and at the end of the service today, and then online today, or if you go home and want to get an envelope, instead of your, your bulletins, there is an opportunity to give through those numerous ways, including an envelope. We'll even pay for the postage. 
if every one of you would consider a gift of any size to build our scholarship program as we run into our next year in front of us. And then also on the table when you go out today, there's going to be a, a picture, a prayer card. I know this is one of the biggest, hugest praying churches I know of. And if you want to take a prayer card home with you, that would be wonderful. And this young man, this is his prayer card right here actually. This young man is uh, flew up with me to, to just be here to speak with you. We fly back this afternoon. One of our students that God has truly impacted. And not only is he just going to share his story briefly, but he's going to sing for you. First of all, what's your name, young man? My name is Keola. Keola? That doesn't sound very Eskimo. No, it's Hawaiian. It's Hawaiian. So show us on the map where you're, on the Alaska map, where you're from. Uh, I'm from like way down here. <laughs> so what's your home country? Uh, my home country is Tonga. Tonga! Anybody ever been to Tonga? I can't even spell it. Okay, so uh, Kiola, go ahead and uh, share with us a song that's on your heart, and then we look forward to hearing your story. God bless you as you share. Thank you. Uh, good morning. Uh, the song that I will be singing is a Tongan hymn, and I will translate it into English. So, I lift high my voice to you, Lord, to praise your name and bless thee, O God. I'm singing the song of my spirit. And thank Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. I wish that it be possible, but there are no words enough to tell you. Jesus, I appreciate the love I have come to know. Faiatu ae faka malo le ape o eku hiva alosisu hao fa.
Testing, testing. Oh, there we go. Whew. Uh, before I start my, to tell you my story, I'd like to thank God for, for giving me the opportunity to speak to you guys. And I feel honored to. Um, so I grew up in a Christian family. You know, uh, my, fam- my parents, they taught me three things. One is to always put God first. Two, to always keep your family close. You know, my dad would tell me that friends will come and go, but your family will stay there forever, stay there for you. And three is to be proud of who you are, where you come from, and never forget where you come from. So my first encounter with God, I was two months old. I was diagnosed with a rare liver disease. Uh, my gallbladder and the, the bile ducts, they could not produce enough bile. And what bile does is helps break down the fats and carry waste out the body. So I was pretty much a snowball when I was a baby because I could not digest my food that well. So what the doctors had to do was cut cut my stomach open and take out my gallbladder. They took out my spleen and they hooked my small intestines to my liver because where real waste comes from the tube, supposed to be a size of a pen, but my, my tube was the size of a, a string. My skin was, my skin was, was yellow, because I had jaundice, my eyes was yellow too. The doctors didn't think that I would survive the surgery. One in 20,000 babies survives this this surgery or is diagnosed with this rare liver surgery. I remember my dad used to tell me stories that uh, a nurse would try to draw blood from my veins and my arms and she couldn't find the vein. She was just basically poking the needle in my skin everywhere and I couldn't cry. I didn't have no energy to cry and I was just giving a soft whine like, uh, uh. And now he says that I cry like the loudest out of all my brothers. And well, we know when I was a kid, but I don't cry anymore. <laughs> well, unless I'm praying or worshiping, Amen. <laughs> yeah. So, past seventeen years, seventeen years later, you know, I'm in high school. I've learned to love football. Music is my thing, but something changed along the way. I began to. Take the wide road, because you know how we talk about the narrow road to Christ and how everyone, not everyone, but the majority of people who take the wide road, the easy way out. I became, I became weak. My foundation was weak. You know, it was being built on sand rather than solid rock. So I started hanging out with the wrong group of people. I started smoking. I started drinking. And I started going out to parties. It just became a routinely thing every week, every weekend. And you know, my my best friend, he's the one who introduced me to all these things. You know, I've I've been exposed to bad influence when I was a young age. And one night, we went to a drive out. 
just to have you know smoke session, smoke weed, and we, and like fifteen minutes, fifteen minutes into our smoke session, he brought out this glass pipe, and for me being weak in my faith, I didn't really want to believe in God, you know, just like a radio, I just turned his voice down, you know, I didn't want to listen. So when he brought out that glass pipe, I was. I just took the hit. I didn't even ask what it was. And later I found out it was methamphetamine, or meth. And I would say that I was hooked onto it for a couple months. It's, it's, amazing. it's crazy how you can be easily influenced when you look up to your best friend, when he's, you don't even realize that he's a bad influence to you, you know. And what what changed my life was I was just tired. I was tired of living this lifestyle. I asked myself, do I want to live like this in my 50s, still going to parties, still drinking, still smoking? You know, and I did not. So one summer, I went out to New Mexico with my dad, and we were helping a friend out build a house. And I went to a church service with him. And this pastor, he had like a cowboy persona with him. You know, he was a pretty cool guy, you know. And he talked about his, his, a time where he went on a hike with his friend. And he had a backpack with him and all his survival gear or food and stuff. And he was talking about how heavy it was and each mile he would go up this mountain, he would get tired and tired. And his analogy was, in our walk with, with, walk with Christ, in our walk with our faith, the things that are holding our, us back, and you know, things we have in our backpack, like the toxic thoughts, the negativities, the bad influences, our bad habits, just let, let those go, you know, to when we walk with Christ to the top of the mountain, which is where Christ is. And it just spoke to me. I walked out after that service, and I just talked with God, just me and him for one hour, you know. And that's when I cried. <laughs> but, you know, it was, it was a really cool moment. So what? how has ACC changed my life? Without ACC... I wouldn't be here, you know. Without ACC, I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't have been a Christian. It's been a, like a launching pad towards my faith. It is like it is my materials that help build my foundation on solid rock. I haven't built my house yet because I'm still a young man, 20 years old. You know, I'm still learning, growing in the faith, growing of understanding who I want to be in life, and. I know what helped me speed that process of building my foundation is I talk, I have counseling, New Hope Counseling. I have a spiritual mentor, and I, I'm in an accountability group called Cadre. It's just a band of brothers, and we just talk about life, talk about, talk about our sins and how are we doing. And it really helped me. Thank you.
So, Kiola, how many months have you been sober? Uh, seven months. Seven months. Yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah. Good. Well, he gave the message, we can all go home now. But they don't pay me to, to uh, come here and not say a few words, I guess. So um, I, I want to bring you today just a short message of something that is deep within my soul as 18 years have come and gone now at ACC, and things that I think are critical for us as a church to hear today. And, and it starts with a little bit of a crazy story. I was a, a uh, EMT trainee uh, 40, almost 40 years ago. I uh, started when I was two, and uh, we uh, had to do 10 hours of emergency room time, and I was in the Stevens Memorial Hospital in Edmonds, Washington, doing my ER time, and a guy walks in, he says, I've got, I've got hurts in my chest, and I just drank too much beer and had too much pizza tonight, it's heartburn, I'm pretty sure, so we go hook him up to the monitor, I'm in the room alone with him, and all of a sudden I hear this, that noise that you'd never want to hear from a heart monitor, and I look up, and one of his electrodes had popped off his chest. So I go, so I put the electrode back on, and I start to do his blood pressure, and he's talking, and all of a sudden he says these words. He says, gee, I feel better already. And I said, okay, great. And all of a sudden he goes, dee, and I, oh no, here we go again. I look up, and he goes, and he codes right in front of me. He has the big one. It wasn't heartburn. And of course, I yelled code, and everybody comes running in, and I jump on his chest, start doing CPR. I'm a brand new EMT. And uh, I thought about that so many times. Just think about what would your famous last words be that you'd want to have spoken out of your mouth before you die? It probably wouldn't be, gee, I feel better already. <laughs> and you got to think about it. What would be the things that Jesus would want to say last to us? What were Jesus' famous last words? And I have two of them for you today. Matthew already went through the story of the resurrection. If you read up through Matthew, up toward the very end of it, you'll see in red these amazing words that Jesus says. And we have to pay attention, because they are his famous last words. Let's say them together. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Wow. That's what he wanted to leave us with? Pretty powerful. Next screen is going to show a guy that has been dead for a long time. Who remembers Keith Green? Oh, many of you do. Keith Green, I called him a righteous rocker. He wrote a book, and in the book he said these words. I've never forgotten them. Jesus commands us to go. It should be the exception if we stay. Based on that verse from Matthew, Jesus commands us to go. It should be the exception if we stay. Go on to the next slide. Another amazing scripture. I want you to say it with me. And after this, I looked. And there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and the Lamb. Wow. That day is coming. And that will be seen and we'll be a part of that great throng, I hope. If you know Christ, you'll be a part of that great white, um, in front of the great white throne. And here's the, the clue. In case you haven't heard, 
the club is not full yet. There are still memberships that can be made. Heaven still has openings. There's coming a day when this mighty scene will fulfill the purpose of Jesus as He came to die for each of us. So this, this mass of humanity that no one can count from every multitude, from every nation standing before the throne, and all those who are spiritually born again, those that have been extended God's amazing grace are going to stand there, and we're going to be able to quote the words from John 3, not 16, but John 3, 17, let's say it. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Ah, that's why He came. And that's why today the, the doors of heaven are still open, the gates are still open. We want to be a part of this amazing making disciples. We want to be a part of going. You know, those are command words. Therefore, go into all the world. Therefore, make disciples of all the world. We are fully committed to go. Now, I don't know much about trains, but I know what a caboose is. You don't see them anymore on trains, but you see them in different places still around the country. From the day of Jesus, there has been a train cruising down the tracks. From Jesus to the apostles, especially to Peter, the first pope, to the apostles, all the way down through the centuries, this train has been chugging along. And one day it got to me. Somebody took Matthew 28, 19 seriously and said, I'm going to go and I'm going to tell Keith about Jesus Christ. Invite him to be a disciple. And I said, yes. Now, I have a choice at that point. My choice is to continue the train all the way down through the next, whoever knows below me to tell them about the Lord, or to stop it right with me and be a caboose. Do you want to be the caboose at the end of the train? Do you want to be the last one that you're being used by God to tell the good story and the evangel, the gospel? Is that you? Do you want to be a caboose? His last words for us are to tell us that we are to have, like Christ, that mission heart. Those that come to Him whose hearts are broken, Jesus sees that, and He hopefully will break your heart for those same things. Will it be enough that you might go do something radical for Christ? Well, not just in Matthew are some famous, famous last words. But if you go over to the book of Acts with me, Acts chapter 1, it is clear that we are not to be cabooses. I want to bring you up to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Let's say it together. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. These are more of Jesus' famous last words. This is right before they're on the hill here. He's about to ascend into heaven. He says, I'm going to come back just the same way I left. Everybody's standing around there thinking, what's about to happen? And Star Trek happens. He gets beamed up, right? But the very last words out of his mouth, very last words, critical command. He says, be my witnesses. And other texts uses the words ambassador. So what's an ambassador? Ambassador is a person who lives in a country that isn't their own, but they represent the country that they came from. And he is saying for us to go and be his ambassador, to be a representative of Christ in four different places. And you know this from Scripture. First of all, to go to Jerusalem. 
That's his own home. That's right where he was living. Then to Judea, kind of the area around his home. For us, that might be the greater Anchorage area, perhaps the state of Alaska. And also to go to Samaria. Now, nobody liked the Samaritans. Everybody avoided and went around the Samaritans. He says, no, you're supposed to go and reach the unlikable, the unlovable, the people in your own area or outside of your area that nobody wants to go and tell the good news of Jesus. That might be the poor, could be the homeless, the sick, the imprisoned, to go where other people don't want to go. Jerusalem, right here, you need to be a witness. Judea, the great area around us, to Samaria where nobody else will go, and then to the ends of the earth. You know, at the time of Acts was being written, kind of the ends of the earth and the thought of those people geographically was northwest Spain. In fact, if you go to northwest Spain, I've been there, there's a town called Finis Terrestre, which means end of earth. It's kind of like Homer, you know? <laughs> the end of the peninsula, land's end. And I had, uh, I, I had this epiphany one day, where the ends of the earth is. Uh, Gary Walter, who's the president of our denomination, said, you know what, if you, if you take Jerusalem on a globe, and if you go the farthest around the globe in any direction where you go, do you know where you end up? Nome, Alaska. No, Alaska is the ends of the earth, maybe. My good friend missionary that I lived with when I was a covenant missionary in Mexico, Nancy Reed, said these words. If you're looking for Jesus, then you need to go to the ends of the earth because that is exactly where he is. Are you ready to go and make disciples? That radical step of saying yes, if God is calling but I want to tell you in the next slide that there is only really one mission. You know, we always talk about, oh, I'm going to go on a missions trip. No, you're not going on a missions trip. You're going on a mission trip. There's only one mission. There's only one mission in this world, and that is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Our missionary call to Alaska, you probably have some of you have been around a while, have heard of it before, but we were serving in a church in Colorado, my wife Debbie and me, hanging out, doing a great thing there, and God said, you know what? You're too comfortable. We're calling you, and we're calling you to go to where? Ecuador. <laughs> we're calling you to go to Ecuador. Wow. The sun goes up and down the same time every day in Quito, Ecuador. It's 78 degrees year-round every day in Quito, Ecuador. My wife gets house help for $8 a day in Quito, Ecuador. We're going south. And then the rest of the story, of course, God has got a great sense of humor. And that door closed, and Alaska opened up. I was out in the village of Unalakleed and speaking at Bible camp. Hopefully many of you will make it out to Bible camp there someday. It's a great opportunity to serve our native young people. And while I was there, three miracles happened that pointed very directly and clear. We weren't to go to Ecuador, but we were to come to Alaska and to plant Alaska Christian College. And so we started with 22 students 18 years ago, one building on 10 acres. We now have our 16th building on 27 acres, nearly debt-free. We started with just uh, those few students at 22, and I mentioned we had 94 this last fall. Many of our students come from third world conditions where they still don't have running water in their villages. Very humble to serve these amazing students. Even a kid from Tonga showed up to take seriously 
Jesus' famous last words to go and make, whether that's short-term or long-term. I see Larry and Beth Smith here, back from Kenya, short-term, a couple, two, three years. They have given their lives and have sacrificed a lot to serve. They took very seriously the call to go. And, you know, I know there are a lot of excuses why we can't go. I made those excuses. I've been there, done that. And I want to say this. There definitely are reasons why many shouldn't go. Unless there's a sure insistence of God impressing upon your heart to go to a place like Samaria, you shouldn't go. Because, you know, the worst place to be would be just a millimeter out of the center of God's will by you saying, I'm going to go when you're not really called to go. And then this verse up on the wall here, pretty serious verse. And I never had caught this verse until recently. From Romans, Paul says this, And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. He's really saying, you need to go where nobody's been before. Whoa, that's a challenge. To go into a place where the gospel or the Bible has not yet been written. So, this next slide has got a picture of a rope on it. This man is William Carey. He's a missionary from England who went to Africa. I am humbled by what William Carey said, because you know what? Many couldn't go with him. But he said this, I will go down into the pit, but the rest of you must hold the rope. I will go down into the pit. But the rest of you, you've got to hold on to the rope. You need to lift me up. And I don't know how that might work for you, what that means for you, but sometimes that is saying, you know what, I'm going to do everything that I can in my power to support your mission. I'm going to go to Germany just for a couple of weeks to help out Greg and Christy Faust. They're great friends of mine. I hope many of you are going on that trip this summer. I'm going to, I'm going to go out to maybe to Unalakleet, but I can't go out there physically myself, but I'm going to make sure that I send a lot of great food for the camp out there. I'm going to make sure that I send some Bibles for students who don't have Bibles. Or I'm going to make sure that I send money for a couple of students who need to go to camp that don't have the funds and need scholarship that you're going to send kids to camp. And maybe it's Alaska Christian College. Maybe you can't come down and build a building. I can't. I had to find 600 people to do it for me. But you could go and say, you know what? I'm going to be a part of that mission in some way. I'm going to send a gift. I'm going to come down and help get the campus ready for the fall by having an opportunity to clean the cabins, get everything ready in the dormitory for our students to come. You can find a lot of ways to support. If somebody else is holding the rope and down there digging for the Lord, there's a lot of ways that you can do what you need to do to answer God's call to mission. The Holy Spirit of God, you know, He does all the work. Um, I don't have to do anything except just present to you some of these, these um, thoughts from Scripture today. But there are a bunch of people in this world, next slide, a bunch of these people in this world who have yet to find out who Jesus is. Out of 7.7 billion people in our world, about 3 billion live in unreached people groups still. They still don't know about the Lord. There's not a Scripture, perhaps, that's in their language that they can read. Jesus commands us to go. It would be the exception if we stay. So the Holy Spirit speaks to you. I don't. And if he is speaking, we're just going to pray in a moment. I don't know what this means for you. But tonight, to take seriously, this morning I mean to take responsible 
action toward Jesus' command to go and make disciples, to be witnesses, to be ambassadors, maybe for a summer, maybe for a week, maybe for a year, maybe for a lifetime. And perhaps some of you here are willing to commit your resources to send others because you're still not sure of your specific call to ministry or to mission. Scripture says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring the good news. Is Jesus sending you to bring the good news today to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, or to the ends of the earth? Some would say Christianity is about one generation away from extinction. Unless we go to make sure we're not a a caboose to making disciples while being ambassadors or to hold up the rope for others. Well, we go and we wait for our turn. Let's bow together. Father God, I uh, remember how scary it was to get on the plane that first time to go to Mexico to serve you. What an adventure it was. And then to come back to the States, God, and to find ways to invest in others who could go. To find little opportunities here and there. I knew you were touching my heart pounding on my shoulder, go, go, go. So Holy Spirit, I invite you into the sanctuary now as you've already been here, but I invite you now if there's someone that needed to hear this message because they've been avoiding you and maybe even running from you and your call in their life, that they would just stop and say, yes, Lord, I come to you. Lord, there's needs all around us. You could walk down the street here in Eagle River and find a ministry. I pray, Lord, that whatever you would call us to do, we would take it seriously. That we would stand in the gap. That we wouldn't be the last person to be a caboose to stop telling the good news of Jesus. And Lord, maybe even today, out of this congregation comes somebody else like the Smiths who say, we'll go overseas because we want the word to be told to those three plus billion people who still have yet to hear the good news. So Lord, we take a moment now just in silence to consider what you have for us. Jesus commands us to go. It should be the exception if we stay. We love you and thank you for your call in our lives. In Christ's holy name, amen.